Blog Talk Radio. Revolutionary voodoo, New Orleans voodoo, secrets and recipes. All is truly and indeed a blessing. You can just see beyond sales. Come on in, come on in, welcome, welcome, ever Come on in, come on in. I hope you have You can also join us, co-host with us here live on screen, plugging the webcam mic, and following the link that you have present. Come back home to Africa. Come on in. Come back home 
thank you so much. I'm grateful. I'm honored. Girl, oh, Come back home so to Africa. Come
We all have career and education and life path choices to make, health, wellness, love, relationships. We all have those areas of concentration to focus on individually. But we also, as a community, build power, create power. We also disempower ourselves by some of our choices, some of our behaviors. So I want to talk about that today. And, of course, what role power and spirit play together. For many of us, we acknowledge today that the great power that is symbolized by the white cloth. We, we acknowledge the, the Lord, the King, the, the, the owner of the white cloth. But we also acknowledge today and every day our ancestors, Agungun, those mighty shoulders upon which we all now have our standing and our being, not just in our consciousness and our spiritual way of, of looking at the world, but it's literally in your blood. It's literally in your DNA chain, our eternal and infinite connection to those great ancestors. And we acknowledge the power and, and the mysteries uh, around and associated with Iyami. And we, of course, and particularly in this season, acknowledge Obaluoye and the power of the antidote, that ability to heal no matter what the infirmity, no matter what the calamity, no matter what the disease. I was taught that there's a plant, there's a root, there's a tree, there's something in the earth, there's something in nature, there's something in creation to heal all of man's ills. And that's why it's so problematic when we kill off geology, when we kill off nature, when we kill off species of, of plants, when we kill off species of, of tree, when we continue to use herbicides, you know, trying to produce that, that uh that symbol of, of, of Eurocentric Western capitalism, that symbol is that green lawn, that green lawn, which, which could otherwise be better utilized for the production of things that are useful to us. Food, first and foremost, medicine, second most, and then all the many other things that we utilize nature for. Our children are disconnected from nature. Our children are disconnected from the sources of their food. Our children are, are disconnected from, from the things that many of us from my generation um, remember fondly, spending time outdoors, spending time in the air, spending time in the grass, the sand, the water, the creek, the lake, the river, learning to fish, learning to garden, learning to indeed enjoy nature, but learn the secrets and the mysteries behind nature and our connection to nature. And indeed, voodoo is nature. Voodoo is not witchcraft. Voodoo is not magic. Let's be clear. Don't get it confused. Don't let the cointel get to you. Don't get caught up in the trend. It, it is indeed just a trend. And I know it's hard when you are 20 to really get Trend. But when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, each time around, you get a deeper understanding of what a trend is. 
And so things come into popularity. And when they're hot, they're hot. When belt bottoms were hot, they were hot. <laughs> and everybody was wearing them. When leisure suits were hot, leisure suits were hot. And everybody was wearing the leisure suit. And then it fell out of popularity. It fell out of trend. We learned better. The, the, the flammability of those, those leisure suits was enormous. Uh, just, just a sheet of plastic just waiting to go up, you know, and smoke. So things come into trend, things come into fashion, the pet rock, you know, and we enjoyed them in the moment for, for what entertainment they might provide for us. But voodoo is nature. And I dare say nature is, is, is one of the most eternal things about physicality is indeed nature. Nature was here before us. Nature will be here after us. <laughs> nature will endure. And so spirit operates in not just our humanness, but spirit operates also in nature. And I was told stories of a time when we were able to communicate with animals and talk to trees and, and talk to the plants. And that's not just ancient African legend. We find that tradition all around the indigenous world, even in the Americas, the ability of our ancient ancestors to communicate with nature in a way that somehow we've lost touch with. And I also dare might say that this scientific magical system of divination that we operate in, in Fa, Ifa, Dafa, Afa, many West African ethnic groups, and many other ethnic uh, ethnicities is sort of that link in communication between us and nature and the spirit realm. So I welcome you to join the conversation. I'm going to open the mic to my, to my cousin here uh, momentarily, and I welcome you all to follow the link in both the chat. I placed it in the chat. It's also going to continuously scroll on the screen for a moment. And you can also join us, co-host with us. My phone lines are also open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. And that phone number is 845-277-9143. Please be patient with me. I got a lot of tabs to pay attention to. So sometimes I kind of forget to go back and, and check that Blog Talk Radio uh, chat box. So please remember to press the number one on your telephone keypad to sort of alert me that you're on the phone and you have a question, comment, or request. And I'll be more than happy to allow you in. Greetings, beloved. Oloye. Blessings. To everybody, Alafia. And I hope everybody is doing well today. I'm happy to be here with you and with everybody and hope that something I share will be a positive contribution to what we're talking about today. I share all of the blessings. Um, please, if you will, elaborate. I need you to say a little bit more. Give me an opportunity to sort of go through the chat. Okay, okay. So today uh, my cousin picked for a topic of power. And so in regard to power, it is important that in order to facilitate the proper power that, that we're looking for, 
One area that I believe that we all can do very easily is in our belief that what we are praying for and what we are desiring to manifest, because it's in our mind and our thoughts and in hopefully our sincerity, that it's already in motion. So our power is really from our, our inner, our divine, our, our, our divine self. And that when we uh, want to facilitate that power, a lot of times it's all about the belief in that which we're praying for. And yes, going through the motions of what it is, uh, maybe what Arisha we're working with, if we're working with our ancestors, if we're working with Fa, Afa, Fa, whatever it is that we're working with, Bubu, then going to that entity sincerely and beginning the practice sincerely and with your firm belief is the beginning, the beginning of the power working for you. So, you know, we want to, in, in our talk today, we want to go everywhere from how to appropriately go to the entity that we're using. Not everybody here follows Ifa. Some follow Wubu. Some follow other spiritual traditions. Not a problem. But at the end of the day, there's more similarity than there are differences in how we can affect and begin and matriculate the power. I say, I say, I absolutely agree. And and help me, beloved, speak again to sort of this idea that um, Africans didn't have quote unquote religion, which often translates into organization, rules, mm-hmm. protocols. We, we we have a very Western modern notion of of doing work for ourselves, doing mm-hmm. work that's very personal, that's very individualistic often materialistic even, and that disconnection from, from uh, the village is, is also missing in sort of how we apply uh, spirit practice and tradition. So help me to speak to that, to that once again, um, this, this false notion that we don't have, you know, sort of rules and protocols to, to acknowledge. Absolutely. You know, uh, for our tradition, the biggest thing is our desire to live in good that we say Iwapele, Iwarere. Iwapele and Iwarere, they form the ability to live in a very proper way, in a, in, a, in a way that's in alignment with our higher selves. So when we speak of Iwapele, in Iwapele, you know we don't want to be taking somebody else's wife. We don't want to do these things that are not in alignment. With, with, with goodness, with, with righteousness. And so there are, of course, in every facet of my tradition, there are those rules, there are those, those and, and I don't want to say rules, there are those governing aspects that allow us to live in a righteous way and to live in alignment with what we would say our highest destiny. So we therefore want to live gentle character, how we treat others, how we walk and how we are in, in how we operate. All those things give a person the first view of any of our traditions. But just as important as well, it also begins to give us a certain level of the power. 
Because when people see us living correctly and doing correctly, there's another level of respect that's given. And then that respect also leads power. Because when things are going wrong and they watch how you operate through these things, they say that man is maybe powerful in spirit, powerful in, in whatever the case might be. And then you find that they will come to you to find what it is that keeps you in that place of balance. So part of power is also balance. Balance in how we deal with things. Balance in when things are going extremely difficult. How do we overcome the difficulties and kind of endure through it? That's power. Power is so diverse. It's found in so many different ways. But how we live, how we think, how we speak, how we walk, how we deal with people is a very important form of power. And I want to speak a little bit more to that same question that I presented uh, from a, you know, a voodoo perspective, um, the, the protocols, the, the directives, if you will, are embedded in, in the do, in, yes. in the Odu. And we accept that our culture was passed down verbally, that we taught and shared and instructed and repeated and, and harmonized our, our experience and pass that down verbally. But indeed, this system uh, of, of, of five divination was also passed down verbally. And along with that, the rules, the protocols, the taboos, the, the things you should be concerned about, the plants, the, the medical conditions, and, and what herbs and plants and airway should be thus applied. Um, yes. it, it, you know, from, from a Western concept, I think it's more of a potpourri of what smells good and looks good and, and, and feels good to you uh, in the moment. We, we might even have some, some stimulus of an association between the items going into to the pot uh, mm-hmm. symbolically. You know, we want love, so we might put the rose in there. You know, we, mm-hmm. we want prosperity, so we might put beans in there. But we have lost connection to mm-hmm. that 256 Odoo system that really mm-hmm. is the foundation of many West African traditions, such as mm-hmm. Ifa and, and, and Vudon, that fall under that, that sort of umbrella. So, so again, right. there's this idea among some, and, and particularly of a younger generation that, you know, mm-hmm. We kind of do what we feel. We kind of do what we want. We kind of do what looks good. You know, I can, you know, scan some websites and read a few books and kind of throw that, you know, in, into the mix. And I think we do ourselves a disservice, and particularly the younger generations and those who come after us, because it's in that behavior that we continue to lose connection to the roots Correct. of our, our tradition, which indeed is is. 256 Odoo. Beloved, people are often amazed when they really come here to the house. And yes. they have sort of a TV expectation of what voodoo is and what it's going to look like. And, mm-hmm. and then they see those traditional implements associated mm-hmm. with, with the divining board. And yes. when I go into that, um, for me, I literally go into a trance. You know, it doesn't mean I'm possessed or I start, you know, eyes rolling back, you know, but I, I go into sort of a trance, 
you know, when I when I even listen to the Babalao chant, you know, oh dude, there's a rhythm there, there's a cadence mm-hmm. there that feeds trance, that pushes you to a certain degree of, of, of trance. And and I believe that that purpose is to allow the diviner, the reader, to re- to remember and receive not only the diversity of, of verses associated um, with the signs that, that lay on the board, but also mm-hmm. to give that advice that each individual reader and each individual uh, client might require. You know, yes. it, we can memorize verses just like we memorize psalms and proverbs and hymns and 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 uh, Book of Revelation scriptures. You know, I can still to this day quote scripture with the best of them. I can still spout a hymn or or gospel or two every now and then. You know, when it hits my mm-hmm. spirit. But just the bedrock again of these traditions is those stories and those proverbs embedded in those traditions. And, and before I pass the mic, I also want to note, too, that as I look at the diaspora and we think about stories like Burr Rabbit, you know, and, and how that was then turned into cartoons, it was appropriated into cartoons and other um, stories and, and fables, it reminds me of the Louisiana folk tales Lapin, Huki, and other Creole stories in the French dialect um, that have that same cadence, that same rhythm, but also are giving you sound advice, sound wisdom, shared experience uh, of your elders and and those who came before. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a marriage that happens with our experience as a practitioner and then our ability to memorize and internalize those odus in a way that allows us to be effective in a modern context. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. You know, when, when we're talking about the odus, and it gives us the prescription for anything and everything that we might be going through in our life and the uh, opportunity to clean, correct it, and move forward beyond it. And you know, I, I believe I shared with everybody in the past that when you're going through different things, the way that they file works, at least for me and with me, within me, is like when you go into a do, it gives you the various things that are happening in life. And then it begins to give you the, the uh, it begins to probe and poke into a lot of different areas. And when it does that, then it becomes to give you the, the appropriate prescription. And therefore, the prescription and the medicine, that helps you to change your situation and your scenario. That in itself is power. Because when you can go into scripture, go into the verses of Yifah, and Yifah just pinpointing to you, not just what you came for, but a whole lot of other things you might not have been aware of. And then, once you follow what Ifa shares with you, you start seeing things change around your life, sometimes so greatly that you just are amazed. You're you're amazed by how your life has changed for the better, just because 
you submitted yourself to listen to what Ifah gave to you in counsel, and then you took it step by step to follow, and now your life is at a totally different place than maybe what it was a month ago, three months ago, six months ago, a year ago. That, to me, is divine power. And, and when power and spirit come together, oh, there's no greater demonstration than that. Uh, that's the magic that, that people are indeed looking for, you know, to get wise counsel, to get wise and sound advice, you know, from an elder or a practitioner, uh, and then to have them assist you in not only making your goal, but, but avoiding so many roadblocks and hurdles and other things. It's just amazing what we as individuals would um, avoid if mm-hmm. we really took the advice of sound parents, sound mm-hmm. elders, those mm-hmm. who came before us who say, oh, no, you don't want to go that way. There, there's danger that way. You mm-hmm. want to sort of go to the right. And we mm-hmm. live in a time, I, I sort of shared this with my PT um, instructor earlier today. We live in a time where we are very individualistic. People want to do their own thing. No one wants to take sound advice. No one wants the other person's opinion necessarily. Um, or we, you know, feel a sense of um, insecurity about sharing an opinion, especially in social media, you know, where any random person can come through and, you know, troll, you know, whatever feeling or emotion or thought you might be sharing, you know, mm-hmm. in the moment. Uh, so there's this this, you know, resistance to uh, going into what many younger generations see as organized religion, a binding type of religion. Oh, my God, I've got to memorize this. Oh, my God, that's a lot to memorize. Uh, I, I had one of my uh, friends post the other day that there was no way anybody could memorize, you know, all this information. And you and I both know personally uh, Babalaos, Awos, Arabas, you know, Honans, you know, of various age, often 50 and over, um, mm-hmm. who, who can contain a great deal of information, you know, yes. in, in their memory. And, and I think that's not just what we eat, how we live, the environment that we indeed grow up in, uh, but I think it also has a lot to do with our, again, that rhythmic, harmonic, connection to information. So there's a reason I can't get the hymns out of my head this many decades later from from trying desperately to do so. Because mm-hmm. we as people, we're connected to rhythm. Mm-hmm. We're connected mm-hmm. to harmony. If you can put something in a, in a limerick for a child, they'll memorize it much quicker, much faster than if you just say, you know, read this book and memorize it. You know, we, we need that motion. There's also a physical memory that's mm-hmm. attached. So the, the tapping of the divination board, the, the motioning with the ephon and the other items that might be uh, present during the, the divination, there's all those things that go into making this combination of, of um, mm-hmm. rhythms and, and emotions and incantations that indeed create and generate a power. Uh, my third eye opened, and, and the, the board almost looks like a black hole to me. Mm-hmm. It almost turns into an open space for me. 
Sometimes mm-hmm. I even close my eyes and I see and I see galaxies and, and I see outer space as the odus are falling mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. onto the board. Um, sometimes I see imagery before I start remembering what text that I have already memorized for a particular mm-hmm. sign. And depending on the client, the person that's sitting before me, that imagery will move around in mm-hmm. relation to what the person came to me to sort of look uh, deeper into. So mm-hmm. I, I think you can't have power without spirit and mm-hmm. connecting to spirit. Even if we think of misuse of power, wicked power, uh, Hitler, for that matter, who had a well-documented record for not just himself, but the government delving into the supernatural, delving into the realm of, of psychic reading and spirituality and, and seances. And as far as we know, they, they probably looked into Ifa too. We, we just mm-hmm. haven't, haven't seen that record. But um, we know that power and, and spirit have to go hand in hand. And so yes. you have to draw your power from something greater than yourself. That's Correct. another issue around the challenge about religion. Because, right. because right. religion often points to a particular God, deity, power, w- with a name on it, with a label on it. But indeed, you have to be pulling your power from somewhere. It, it could be as simple as from light or darkness. Mm-hmm. And, and those, again, that combination of spirit and power is what brings about true manifestation in our reality, in our world. Somehow I, I try to look at things on, on many levels before I bring a topic to the show. They, mm-hmm. they aren't always as general and simplistic as they might appear in, mm-hmm. in the wording, but I look at how that manifests in, in many ways. Earth science, how is power or energy created, generated? And we know that all the power that exists in the universe was created at the Big Bang. All the power that will ever be is, is already here, but it, mm-hmm. is, it is moved around. We manipulate that energy. We manipulate that power to create and recreate realities that mirror our best interests. Spirit, mm-hmm. I, I want to also open up the conversation a little bit to some of my ancient alien theories. Spirit could also be, uh, again, these alien interventionists sort of moving society ahead, moving society in one way or the other in terms of our our development. Um, some people, I don't know if you how familiar you are with this theory, uh, but some people believe that humanity is where it is right now in terms of its advancement and its, its progress because of some outside intervention. So, of course, religionists have accepted that it's God or it's Jehovah or it's Allah or it's Oldamare or, you know, it's the great creators. But you have a a newer generation of of diverse age who now also has made room for outside intervention from advanced beings from Mm -hmm. from outside our our cosmos or outside our, our, our understanding of the universe. Some people think that the the Orisha are cosmic. What's your opinion about that? You know, Orisha is everything. You know, the Orishas uh, are beyond our 
particular, you know, even if we believe that the Orisha uh, walked the earth and then transcended, well, our original is the Arumale. And the Arumale are those that Arumale, uh descended to earth in order to facilitate the building of our, uh, uh, of earth as it is. You know, Obatala, Oshun, uh, Obu, and, and, and others that came down to begin the process. So therefore, we can easily say that the Orisha, or the Arumale, the Arumale, are that because they came from heaven down here. The story of Obatala coming down, of Ogun making the chain that got him the rest of the way, that when he climbed down the tree or when he dropped the uh, the, the hammer uh, pigeon down with the five, you know, the five prongs to, to uh, and the dirt that he brought down from heaven. All those elements, we can easily say that they are, are uh, we can easily say that it's from a different place, a different source. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to say it is if we believe, if we truly believe that uh, we are made in God's image, if we, are, if we truly believe that, that we're made, we are God's here on earth in ourselves, then from the Rumelay down and the birth from the Batala developing humankind, then yes, we are. You know, we, we can say that. And sometimes I, um, I'm a little challenged at explaining, particularly to the, the, the beginner, the difference between Irumale and Imole. And it's my understanding that Irumale forces the nature that created Earth, the primordial, if you will, and that the Imole forces of nature are light, maybe even uh, predated Irumale, but, but just light itself. Uh, and, and when we look at, again, science, quantum metaphysics, we understand when we break everything down to its basic, to its lowest common denominator, it's really vibrating light. Molecules, protons, neutrons, atoms, vibrating light. Um, so how do you teach and explain uh, what Irumole and what Imole is and in relation to Olo Jamare, how do you explain that in your house? That's a really good question because Irumole for me uh, being that which was those who were sent down here and the stories of them building and growing, you know, you, they're still made of something. They're not just, they weren't just, uh, you know, uh, air coming down here and then air is developing human beings and such. So, you know, it's very similar to what you just said. It's it's nothing really, really different. We have to have both sides of the equation in order to come down and come down in form. You know? So what you're saying is coming down in form. And then in coming down in form, then the building of society or, or the earth as it is within the confines of everything from Iwa, everything from how, you know, the we say that Ogun built the, the structure of the people, right? Mm-hmm. So from all of those elements, all of those elements, they work together. They work together. Uh, the Goddess Initiative says that she feels like if you can believe in God, any God, you can believe in alien forces. 
Absolutely. The science confirms it. And spiritually, at least to her, it is science. Um, and, and I agree. Um, I had visions and had downloads of information. I like to call them downloads uh, of information. When Back in my 20s, when I was doing a great deal of deliberate meditation with quartz crystal, amethyst mm-hmm. crystal, uh, citrine, uh, et cetera, um, I, I, I received a great deal of what I, I believe to have been information about the past and about mm-hmm. the condition of, of the world, plural, the worlds that predate the world that we now live and exist in. You know, the indigenous Americans say that the world has been destroyed and recreated at least three times before. Mm-hmm. And so I've always believed and had an understanding that, one, there were aliens for sure, that there is life form, advanced life form, uh, outside of our present awareness in, in the universe, and mm-hmm. two, that they had intervened. Some would say manipulated. I, I like intervened in the development of, of humanity, of, of moving us from Cro-Magnum, from more ape-like uh, uh, hominins to sort mm-hmm. of these advanced uh, beings that we are now. And even um, at my age, in my particular generation, uh, I've seen a time of radio, black, black and white TV, color mm-hmm. TV, uh, cable TV, when, when that was brand new, uh, internet, you know, and, and I've seen an advancement of technology in a very short mm-hmm. period of time, historically a, sh- a very short period of time. There's been no other time in our known history where humanity has moved forward at such a pace in technology, in math, in medicine, in science, as we have done today. And so it's hard for me to believe that that's somehow um, natural selection. It's hard for because I believe nature to be science. I believe nature to be God. I, I believe nature to be as complex as, as a quartz crystal, even mm-hmm. unto itself. So it's hard for me to accept that it's just random and mm-hmm. not somehow promoted. Uh, just the condition of our earth and where we are in the sky and how we're protected from solar rays and from asteroids and from all kinds of things that could really wipe us out, you know, within a matter of, of moments. Mm-hmm. I believe there has to be orchestration behind that. And so mm-hmm. in voodoo, from my understanding and how I was taught, indeed, the, the, the primordials, because uh, they're called by different names depending on what ethnic mm-hmm. language we're going to speak. So I'm just going to speak English. The, the primordials, mm-hmm. indeed, have been not only molding us and recreating us and remaking us um, for advanced life here on this planet, but also preparing us for advanced life other places in the universe. So when we think about our government and why are they spending more money in the sky than they are on the ground? Why are they investing more in outer space than they are in your children and and your children's health or survival or education or or medical Mm -hmm. care? So there there has to be a universal knowledge Mm -hmm. in the world that there's something beyond us and those powers that be, 
we're going to talk about power from a, from a different perspective for a moment. Mm-hmm. Would, would use that, would manipulate that to their best interest. Mm-hmm. I've always felt there's been a race to sort of beat us to the sky or at least be prepared for what might be coming from the sky. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and Farrakhan, some of you are, are familiar with this, Farrakhan has been teaching aliens, if, if you didn't know, since the 1980s some of my younger mm-hmm. listeners. Farrakhan believes in aliens, talked about the mothership, talked right. about some of the things that I'm, I'm talking about, you know, right now. So what's the race to space? And, and, and is it to beat us to something or is it to protect themselves from something? You know, and, and how does that play in how we use personal power every day, you know, in, in our own journey? I know I said a lot. I always do. <laughs> um, so feel free to jump in there, beloved. I want to. That, that was a wide um, range of stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the nation has taught the mothership since the beginning from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And so, you know, there's the story of, of Minister Farrakhan talking about uh, at a point in time, uh, he actually witnessed uh, Elijah Muhammad and, and possibly Master Farad Muhammad in the mothership. There's a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that they talked about with, with, within that. From a, a belief standpoint, yeah, the, the United States has always had history, and not just the United States, right? We're talking about it was always the race to see who got to the moon first. It was the race to see the investigation of the other planets by the United States, Russia, China, whoever else, because they're always looking to see where there's life or where there was a, a, a semblance of, uh, or whether there was life in a place before. They're looking to see what are the natural resources in, in those places, right? When they get on and they got the, the, uh, the uh, suit on, they're looking to see how gravity is in those areas. Sometimes I look. To, uh, sometimes I think that they know that this this place right here, this this Earth, is going to come to an end, and they're going to wind up seeing and uh, you know where where people can go thereafter. Probably the richest people, but you know where people can live thereafter. Which which areas have the you know the temperatures to that that can facilitate life and, and all of that. Sometimes I believe that that's what they are, are looking for. Where's the next thing of life going to be? Mm-hmm. And is there life in some of these planets? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the next neighborhood we're going to gentrify? And, yeah. and just maybe it's on another planet. Right. So then we would, right. have, to, so we would have to consider then that power might also be knowledge, information, Absolutely. what you know. And then what you do with that information. Uh, I, I have some avid readers in my life. I have some avid researchers in my life. And, and they're searching and they're looking 24 hours a day. But what do, then do we do with the information? How then do mm-hmm. we apply that information? And how does that show up in terms of power and, and, power, and what power looks like individually, but, but also as a community? Also, as a nation, uh, a people, 
the access to, to information and how we use information. Uh, so I think uh, that also is um, an area that we can indeed look at. Uh, I have another cousin, he might actually be listening, who uh, has been talking about the family being robbed uh, by the Royals and the Bushes and the Bilderbergs and, you know, various aspects of what many of us consider conspiracy-based theory. And mm-hmm. often it just just went over my head. But he mm-hmm. has somehow organized a meeting with uh, Thomas G. Reynolds, Regional Trust Director, Great Plains, Midwest, Southern Plains, Eastern Oklahoma, Eastern Bureau of Trust Funds Administration with the U.S. Department of Interior. He somehow got a meeting with them today. And so if you are a descendant attending a meeting that has been coming 150 years plus with trustees over 40 acres and a mule, a.k.a. allotted lands under five civilized tribe treaties, friendship, Guadalupe, Hilgago, and Pinckney Adams onus treaties, land provisions, and then he includes this information about uh, Thomas G. Reynolds uh, below. And so I say that to say there's so much that we still don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we seek ancestry, we seek DNA, we, we seek lineage and heritage, but there's still just so much we still don't know about who we are and, and the power that we possess, the power that's within us, but also that out, outer power that might be due us, that might be owed to us. Um, when we think about power and government, when we think mm-hmm. about power and politics, often when we think about power and money, now we look at power from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Some of us look at that from a place of corruption. You know, uh, some of us believe there's nothing political that's not corrupted. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we turn off to that aspect of our power, uh, which leaves us vulnerable to laws and rules and protocols and, and how we're treated, you know, and, and how we're forced to live. And so we're often playing catch up to follow those rules, to pay those taxes, to acknowledge mm-hmm. Caesar and, and Caesar's government. And we're in a deficit in terms of learning our own self-governing rules and protocols about how to live and, 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 and amass power from a village perspective, which again is embedded within the odus of these traditions. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I've gone out of my way to sort of explore this from not just a Yoruba perspective, obviously, but mm-hmm. from an airway perspective, a Fon perspective, and a Khan perspective. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, as you said earlier in the show, there's a consistency there. Mm-hmm. Might be different language, might be different neighborhood, might be different family. They might have some different activities associated with what's being said and pronounced. But those ideas, those philosophy, those morals, those values, those codes are consistent there. And so that has always been, in my mind, what saves us, what gives mm-hmm. us freedom, that power. And so we've tried political power. We made some strides there. We've had the black president, and now we got the, you know, the multiracial vice president. 
we, we've tried finance power to some degree, and there's some successful, you know, black African Americans who are successful mm-hmm. in stocks and financing and in business. We've tried power everywhere except here, mm-hmm. except ourselves, except that which is, which is in our blood, except that which mm-hmm. we pull from. And so that's why I push ancestry as a greater part of what I do so strongly. Um, because mm-hmm. once we are modified and, and healed and, and reprogrammed and recharged, then there's nothing that we can do in terms of power and, and, and spirit coming together to really create a, a greater reality for the generations that, that come behind us. Yeah, that and, and being able to teach a person, because true power begins for us in Oru. In, in Ejiobit, it says, you know, it says that, that Ifa says that the Ori is the one that directs our body to the manifestation of our thoughts. So if it directs our body to the manifestation of our thoughts, it is the thoughts that we have, it's the thoughts that we manifest that give us the beginning of power. So we have to then mind our thoughts. We have to put our thoughts into alignment with that which we want, what we desire, and what we want to embody. And when we can do that, and we really focus and have intentionality on that, then we begin the power within our personal selves that will then start manifesting out to the community at large. We have to start with our own already and developing our own inner power. Absolutely. I feel like I need an applause track. <laughs> I might re-add that. Once upon a time, I had all kind of sounds that I would play during the course of the show. Yeah, that, that absolutely requires an applause. Um, and, and unfortunately, that's where, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on where you are in your journey, mm-hmm. that's, that's where the work is. Mm-hmm. That's where the work is. And, and we're often running to avoid just that. Just that very thing. If we can take a shortcut to the next and not have to consider, you know, the work, it's something about humanness that makes us take that, that shortcut. But no matter what your religion, your philosophy, your practice, sort of your way of, of reaching that, that goal, that's where the work is. It's, it's, in, it's how we think. It's how we create and recreate our reality. As God, a demonstration of God in this clay, mm-hmm. you know, this clay vessel. So mm-hmm. how we perceive pain, how we perceive work, how we perceive challenge, uh, how we perceive growth, how we perceive prosperity, it, it's all rooted in, in, in our head, in our mind, in our consciousness. And there's mm-hmm. so many distractions that say, oh, no, but it's out here in ownership. It's out here in having this stuff. It's out here and having an ability to buy, you know, or, or to entertain, you know, and, and, and enjoy immediate gratification, you know, in the moment. And, again, that changes how we look at power. You know, which, what which scared, which scared the, the, the slave, the enslavers? What, what, what scared them? The first thing that scared them was when they came, they saw a level of power with the spirituality of our forefathers and ancestors. They had to break that up. They could not allow for that spiritual power to continue to manifest. Number two, 
they saw that there was such a level, I want to say of Iwa, but such a level of development in the cultures, right, that there was a way of living. They knew that there was a structure a, a, uh, from the, the chief or the king on down. Everybody knew their role in their place. So, therefore, that led to a very powerful, you know, a, a very powerful, uh, um, what would you call it, um, community, society. So, now you, you see these things, and you know, when people conquer another people, the first thing that they take away is military, right? They take away their ability to fight. So, they take away the spiritual ability. In many of the ancient traditions, they weren't doing Christianity, and, and, you know, so therefore, the spiritual system that they were seeing being a very powerful system and in a deep connection directly to, to nature and to spirit, they had to get rid of that really fast, or else they would never have been able to control those people that they enslaved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where's the power? The power sometimes is in people's control. What's the power of the Congress and the Senate, the president, and anybody in politics? They have the power of the pen to control how society is going to move, how it's going to be, the rules and laws that people are going to have to abide by. That's right. That's right. No, I was just going to add, and so that's why often – statuary, monuments, temples, you know, libraries were, were often destroyed uh, because they were seen as, as power sources and, and ways for people to refuel, repower themselves uh, even after, you know, battle, even after some calamity. And so that's one of the things that they still continue to destroy. Uh, one of the most disturbing things for me about uh, some of the Islamists is their destruction of historic libraries and historic arche- archaeological sites, uh, particularly in, in Africa and into the Middle East, um, mm-hmm. and thus destroying history and evidence of, of, of our history, you know, for future generations. And so that information did have to be relearned because energy is infinite. So that information has to be then relearned another way through another source and often requiring a greater deal of time to then recapture that mm-hmm. which is which is being lost. So whether we're looking at the colonists or the Islamists or, or any, you know, military force or power or government that, that's seeking to overtake and then dominate that which they hold belief in is something that is most immediately targeted. So, so it's, it's, it's a reality for us to discuss housing and economy and health care and, 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 uh, and how our children, you know, are being educated, you know, and the like. But it often don't leave us a lot of time in, in this culture and society to really regain inner power, inner strength. We often have to take a retreat for that, a rehab for that, an escape for that. And, and even that, for, depending on who you are, requires money, requires mm-hmm. resources. Everybody can't leave their job for a month to go take a retreat. So mm-hmm. there are many ways that this power, whether it be through information, 
whether it be through money, whether it be through resources, is, is manipulated so that a, a small elite group maintains control. And, and, and it's in our community. It's also outside our community. We fight the white man. We fight the government. You know, but it's also within our own communities. Uh, because as my cousin said, if we don't address the head, then the body is, is guaranteed to fail. If we don't address the head, then the body has no direction. So we, we've got to start with each individual. You've you got to seek healing. You've got to seek clarity. You've got you to be determined to be the one in, in your bloodline and your family that's going to end the generational curse. For those mm-hmm. of you who understand my voice, you've got children. You've got to be the one in your family that says, well, my children are going to learn it differently. Right. It's yeah. not going to be exposed to the old way. I'm going to teach them the new way. And, yeah, that's challenging when mom and dad are still mm-hmm. learning the new way for themselves. But let them learn with you. Bring them along on your journey. Um, I have whole families working with me, beloved. The husband, the wife, mm-hmm. the kids, the grandma the uncle, the, the best friend next door, whole family. Um, and it swells my heart. Because mm-hmm. when I was younger, you know, growing up in that evangelical, sanctified, oppressive, cult-like environment, I didn't think there were any other options. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that notion of hell was, was a crucial key used to depower us. Even if you didn't accept anything else in the religion, Many of you embrace hell and the mm-hmm. idea of hell, and that if I don't follow through, if I don't blindly, you know, go to church on Sunday, if I don't act like I'm still, you know, a participant in this system, I might be going to hell. Mm-hmm. And, and some of my clients are still walking that, that fence. It's an old dude that says something about cats walk on fences, not humans. Cats mm-hmm. walk on fences. And so, you know, they're still going to church. They're still going into mosques. They're still going to the, you know, the, the Jehovah Witness temple. And then they sneak in to see you. Mm-hmm. Sneak in to see the That's Bible out. And we got to move beyond sneaking. You know, mm-hmm. I love my mother. I love my mother. And, and her ability to not only go deep into her own religion, she's a devout mm-hmm. evangelical Christian, but her ability to open her her third eye, her or read, mm-hmm. and see that comparison between what you and I practice mm-hmm. and how that's somehow, that's not foreign to her. That's not threatening to her. That, that's not fearful to her. That, that's not witchcraft to her. Yet mm-hmm. many of those of us who say we love Arisha have, mm-hmm. have bought into the Western notion that this is witchcraft that this is not religion, that, that, that this is just an extension of paganism, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, I don't, obviously I don't accept that. I don't teach that. I, I never have, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, a, it's a thing that I have to repeat often, that this isn't magic, this isn't witchcraft, but it's indeed science. Mm-hmm. It's indeed a practice that, that is a lifestyle. Absolutely. Um, I invite someone else to talk because um, I know I can talk. <laughs> but I invite somebody else to talk, and I don't want to put my cousin under a whole lot of pressure. Uh, it's right at the top of the hour. So please do follow the link and come on in with your webcam. 
uh, the Goddess Initiative. I want to see your lovely face a little bit more often. Um, Neophyte Bokur is, is probably driving a truck right now or loading or unloading. Otherwise, I'm sure he would uh, be present. Many people listening uh, on the phone lines all over the world, and I'm always grateful for my Block Talk Radio app. Um, it gives me geographic location, cousin, and, and percentages of, of where we're being listened to. And many people uh, listen to us, uh, like my local um, neighbor, uh, Troy, who was in the chat just a moment ago. Many people listen to us in their workplace mm-hmm. or while they're working or while they're doing other things. And uh, I'm appreciative of that. It, it, it means that we're reaching a di- deeper level of consciousness mm-hmm. than just entertainment. Absolutely. We're going a little bit deeper in emotion and in thought, you know, with those who do enjoy listening and, and participating. So when mm-hmm. I look at the map, um, I'm just amazed at the interest in voodoo and Ifa and ATR from all over the world in, in, sure. in this present modern time. It, it's amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing. And so as I think it's wonderful. So as we see these um, churches continue to go abandoned, some of y'all have great credit. Some of y'all have a few dollars. You know, we need to be opening ancestral centers. We need to be opening community centers that allow space for ATR religious practice, spiritual religious practice, to be re, uh, like repotting and replanting, to be mm-hmm. rebooted into our communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony X says true power is in unity if we can divide or separate any people from their God or spiritual birthright you can easily uh, conquer them I agree, I agree it's in unity um, that brings to mind uh, economy success uh, people of, of wealth if you will um, and do we request anything of them? Is it required of them to give back, to do for themselves? You know, when we look at the Oprah Winfrey's and the Tyler Perry's and some really well-made members, you know, is it our right to ask them to do more for the community? Is it our right to ask them to invest? In a Western world, we say no. Everybody has a right to make their choices, to do what they want with their money shot where they want with their money. But then, as Anthony F. said, you know, true power is in unity. Is in unity. So you have political parties coming together, economic parties together, financial mm-hmm. parties coming together, people who come together mm-hmm. just for um, Married to Medicine. I watch that show because there's often these little financial parties going on in the background. I don't know if y'all familiar mm-hmm. with that reality. It's a new reality TV show, Black Folk, Degreed, Doctors Degreed. But much of it, they're talking about this little group that has this money that they're investing in land and in properties. And that's what drew me, you know, to the show. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, being an individual, one person who understands FA, who has accepted EFA, 
who, who seeks the, the, the guidance of the Iwo, the Babalao, the Oloye, the Elagoon, the Hogan, the Mambo. You know, and, and, and again, does so for self. Fix my relationship. Fix my marriage. Help mm-hmm. me with my career. Help me mm-hmm. with my, my legal case. We've got to move it beyond that. It's got to replace. You know, it's almost hard even for me to say it, but, but we have to say it. It has to replace church. It has to replace the mosque. It has to replace these centers in our communities that haven't given us what we need right now. And I'm not suggesting that the church was not beneficial in our history. Indeed, it was, particularly in slavery. We, we, we use church to organize. We use church to come together. We use church sometimes to discuss things that wasn't about church, just like the Bois came on in, in Haiti. But I think things like a trend have their moment, and then you've got to grow. So we've got to continue. You know, we, we were Negro. We were colored. <laughs> you know, we, we were everything. We were black. The, the, then we African-American, you know. We've got to evolve our practice along with these titles and names and labels. True. And, and so that's why I say we've got to, we've, we've just got to stop with the church. If you're not happy, if you're not uncomfortable, if it didn't serve you, you've now embraced Ifai, you've now embraced Mukumi, you've now embraced Santeria, then just stop with the church. And it doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be a war. It doesn't have to be a battle. But, bruh, some families find it, you know, depending on your family, depending on your mom and them, that's where the pressure comes in. Mm-hmm. Boy, what is that you reading? What's that you mm-hmm. What's that you got on your head? You know, what those beads mean? You know, and, and, and when we don't have the language to speak truth to who we are and what we're doing and where we are on our journey, then you absolutely can't explain it to the next person. I learned that in my own own journey. I can remember trying to explain crystals and loa and, and voodoo to my mom 35 years ago, and, and she thought I was crazy. She thought I was worshiping rock. She, she thought I was, I was off in witchcraft, you know, until I myself knew what I was doing and where I was and had the language and, and then I could explain and make things make sense. And it doesn't mean we're, going, we're here to convert, because unlike other religions, uh, we, don't, we don't have a, a mandate to convert people or to prophetize or, you know, to make everybody practice our, our tradition. But however, if we can't speak it without violating taboos, without violating, you know, the secrets of the traditions, but if we can't explain it and speak to it in a way that others can't, can, can receive, then that also limits our ability to sort of expand this consciousness into our communities. Because, again, I'm, I'm fighting the black witch thing every day. Well, everybody has to understand, in the tradition, every Orisha has distinct things that they do in the practice of that particular tradition. So uh, for some, uh, you know, if you are practicing, let's say, um, Obatala, 
But Batala has its own tradition. If you're, if you're training or practicing um, Ogun, Ogun has its own tradition. Um, Eshu's own tradition. Every one, every one of the Orisha has its own tradition to follow, own practices. It's like its own entity unto itself. Mm-hmm. And so now in practicing those particular aspects of that tradition, like its own mm-hmm. entity and that brings you the uh, power within that realm to facilitate the, you know, whatever you want to receive out of that particular Orisha. You know, so when we initiate in, let's say we initiate to uh, Obatala, then we must do the things, we must not eat the foods, we must not, you know, if we can, wear the, not wear the, the colors that, that, is, that are against. It's, it's mostly white, it's all white. Uh, you know, here in America, we might have difficulty doing that. But, you know, out in Africa, they wear all white when they're Obatala, you know, uh, practitioners. So we have to look into what Orisha we're dealing with and then to get the power out of that Orisha to be working with that Orisha in the appropriate way. Yes, I agree. And um, people making random comments in the chat that don't make any sense. I'm just, I'm just putting you on mute. I've gotten good at that. I, I know how to do that now. Um, and thank you, uh, the Goddess Initiative, for correcting me. It, it wasn't married to medicine. It was um, marriage Hunt, Huntsville. It's that Huntsville show where these black families, these black uh, professionals have come together and, and have this parcel of land that they're um, building economy, uh, the economy with. And that's a, main, a major issue, a major hurdle that we are going to have to address. Some of our community takes it from a purely political stance. And so they, they're not very religious at all, but they're only concern, concerned about black power, black empowerment, black economy. But even those of us in the religious sector, the spiritual sector of ATR, have to begin to look at infrastructure similar to those of the other world-dominating religions that will allow our traditions to not only thrive, but again, survive, you know, into the future. We have this notion that, um, you know, it all should be free and your time should be free and your service should be free and the remedies should be free. And, you know, and that's never been true, by the way. That, that's never been true. Even in the indigenous world, you know, I might have had coconuts, you might have had corn, mm-hmm. the next one might have had textiles and fabric. You know, there's always been an exchange, and it's really part of the rules to mm-hmm. exchange, present an offering. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes you an even deeper part of the of the divination. Mm-hmm. You know, by doing so, it, it's just church and religion that's got us mixed up about about spirituality, religion, and, and, and finance. And then mm-hmm. we developed this prosperity ministry. The prosperity ministry came along about the late 80s going into the 90s. And so now it's safe to talk about money in church. It's safe to talk mm-hmm. about 
you know, investing in, in, in relationship to Christianity. But again, when we look at Fa, Ifa, Voodoo, indigenous practices, and particularly north of the border, we don't have that community dynamic in place that, that's allowing us to grow and, and flourish in the way that they're doing in Cuba or in Brazil or, or even in places like Panama or, or Venezuela in terms of the demonstration of indigenous traditional practices as an alternative to world-dominating religion. True, true. Um, you know, even in the prosperity gospel, uh, you know, you, I, I go back to, like, Reverend Ike, and there was somebody, I forgot that gentleman's name that was in the 50s that made it real popular, too. I, uh, I, I can't remember his name, but there was somebody that was really popular that started that process on and then, you know, Reverend Ike then became real famous with it up in Harlem. Uh, but people don't understand, that which they were speaking about then is that which is said with Tony Robbins and all the rest of these guys. They're taking those principles that were taught by those people, by those that had that so-called prosperity gospel, and then they, they, they took out the religious aspect and kept it secular, and they're building on that particular process uh, for the people. They're, they're teaching the same aspects and elements. Uh, it, it's very, it's very, very interesting. It's very interesting. Please forgive me. I can't type and talk. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I will say that one thing that that is also a consideration of, of power, is we have to begin to watch what we manifest within ourselves in our speech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our speech can either give us the blessings of more, or it can actually hinder us and, and not allow us the opportunity to expand. So, you know, if I says that we have to remember that the use of words in Ogunda measure, we have to remember that the use of words uh, has two opposing aspects and, and they are functions, really, which determine the state of the human mind. Our words can, 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 can determine which way we're thinking. It brings war or peace. So you have the, the uh, ability of, of good and bad or, or, or uh, separation, union to speak, you know, the union to speak, to listen, all those things come in what we speak about. So even when you think about the president and you think about all these guys passing laws and all of that, think of the power of the words that they speak. And we as those that are listening are at the mercy of the power of the words that they speak. Now those that desire uh, or are willing to fight against that, listen to the words that they speak. So then you got the two opposing forces, and, you know, we've been able to change many things from the original laws and all that stuff put down when the voices became a unit. Just like what's happening now. Now, last night, it seemed, or uh, yesterday afternoon, another person got killed over in Minna, uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, 
I want to talk about that. That's right? right. Mm-hmm. And then that carried over today into the the Chauvin or whatever his name is uh, trial mm-hmm. because the defense lawyer wanted to uh, sequester the jury and and also stop them from being able to look at media and different things because they saw how what's getting ready to happen out there if things don't go well. Yeah, and after Rodney King and Latasha Harlins and, you know, all the tragic events of the last two years, um, it, it's going to be ugly. We, we're being pushed beyond protesting, beyond marching, beyond caring signs. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we all know that there's a segment of our society that wants conflict, that wants race war, that wants, you know, upheaval. Um, they think that somehow that that's a, a, a shortcut to a, a better state of, state of being. We have to end this system by any means necessary and, and then recreate, you know, sort of a new system. Um, mm-hmm. No matter which side you're on, the white supremacist side, the black side, no matter which side you're on, sort of at the foundation, that's the message. So mm-hmm. there are segments of our society that want to keep these conflicts going. It's beneficial to them. It's financially beneficial to them, you know, that, that, that it's in front of the camera. It helps to move aspects of our economy. It also helps to distract us from other real, much more dangerous things that often take place, you know, in, in the courthouses and, and in legislators uh, when these sort of uh, upheavals occur, you know, in culture. So while we're focusing in on, quote, unquote, riots and protesting, um, you know, they're having secret meetings, you know, in, in Washington, D.C. and writing things into, into law and protocol that, that we aren't paying attention to. So I think, again, some of these, um, you know, events are, are, are mere distractions, but created distractions. I also want to note real quick how interesting, um, I think they said 100 to 200 protesters, and then they called in the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Where was that January 6th? Mm-hmm. Where was that response mm-hmm. January 6th? Um, Anthony says, hypothetically, if slavery never happened, would initiation be a coming-of-age kind of moment for most, or would it be something you're just assigned at birth, like a birthday or a zodiac? Uh, you want to respond to that first, or, or you want me to respond? Sure. So initiation, in regard to, I, I believe what you're asking, initiation is something totally different than, than that. Yes, when they're born, or seven days after they have SMTI, three days, seven days, to, to be given the name and to do divination on the child to see what their destiny, what they came here to fulfill, and the way that an, a, a parent can go about raising that child that would be in alignment for that child to be moving towards their highest destiny. So... After that, initiation then, it is to, uh, to actually totally align yourself with the, the uh, either the Orisha or, yeah, the Orisha because Arumana is still Orisha. So to, to align yourself with Arumana or to align yourself with any of the Orisha that you have to initiate to, 
and then to be walking in alignment with the, I want to say, just walking in alignment with the energy of that particular audition. So that that audition is helping you in yourself, in your mind, in your thoughts, in your actions, and how you, all about that, in how you're going to live your life in accordance to what Orisha told you that you were here to fulfill. So initiation would always be a part. It's not something that would not be a part of, of the tradition or of people's growth. So whether it was in, through in the, the, the slavery thing or not, the initiation still would be happening. They continue to happen over in Africa. And, you know, so therefore it, the initiations are a totally different entity than anything to do with slavery in my, from my perspective. I agree. Um, from, from a Louisiana, Mississippi Delta voodoo perspective, um, you, you mentioned really two things. Coming of age is one thing. Initiating into Loa, receiving a Loa or, or a Risha on, on your head is a whole nother thing. And as um, my cousin said, maybe, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes ago, he was talking about how each tower is their own school, has mm-hmm. their own protocol, has their own rules, has their own way of, of doing things. And in some cases, even the order of seniority within the dynamics of Odoo shifts from one lineage to another, mm-hmm. from, from one path to another. So coming of age, I think, should be, you know, mandatory for anyone uh, like Ken Sierra in, in, in the Hispanic community, you know, it, it's automatic. Like Bat Mitzvah, you know, in, in a Jewish tradition, it, it's automatic in terms of coming of age. Uh, and, and that's one thing. But then initiating into the tradition and then accepting the responsibility of, mm-hmm. caring, of caring for an Arisha or Loa is a much more complex uh, undertaking. And so that's a completely different, you know, form of initiation. Mm-hmm. Then there are branches of the tradition uh, where one could also then be initiated into based on age, experience, position, title, uh, sometimes out of necessity, you know, uh, uh, divination will require you to receive the, the knowledge and the awareness, you know, of a particular power or, or entity. And so, therefore, there's an initiation associated um, with that. Another mm-hmm. common question I'm, I'm confronting is the distance in terms of time between coming into the tradition, starting your spiritual journey, mm-hmm. or being initiated, and then being a practitioner. And many people are going straight from, I had a spiritual awakening a month ago, and now I'm doing readings. That's dangerous. Mm-hmm. That's very dangerous. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, there. In, in regard to that, I will share in our particular lineage, my lineage, um, and and let me give honor to a little to my little uh In our particular lineage, uh, we we um go from, you know, wanting the initiate to go to Ishefa, and then from Ishefa, then Ifa will dictate where that person is needing to go. Ifa will dictate whether that person is even in, in, line, in line for priesthood, you know? So 
training, without proper tempering, without proper knowledge and study before they start going into doing some kind of reading. <laughs> that's, 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 it's not just dangerous to the person, but they're putting other people's lives in danger. They're putting people's lives in danger. There's certain things that you got to go through in order to begin to do readings and to go to a deeper level of understanding in the verses. So by not going through that, that you're putting people's lives in danger and you, you're, you're making it so that that's why for some, even in our tradition, it becomes a mockery because they hear all these babalows in their inbox and all that stuff. Even I just thought something that came over, over here. And, you know, you got babalows coming in people's inboxes, knowing that they ain't righteous or wanting the best for people yeah. doing, doing readings, coming up in their inboxes and making a mockery and because people think that they have a, a Yaraba name, that they are initiated and all of that. So therefore, there you are. You you now think, and you, people have been having money taken from them and all that, and these Baba Lao's ain't doing a damn thing for them. Other, and in fact, they might not even be Baba Lao's. That's right. They might not even be African. That's right. <laughs> Based on what I see on these profiles, you don't know who these people are. They, That's they, right. they never show their face. And if they do show a face picture, you don't know that it's there. Especially when we think of places like Africa, India, South America. I mean, millions of people look exactly alike. You know, and mm-hmm. then they mix it up and, and they, you know, a few pictures with some tourists having some, some work done, you know, and then there's a series of products that they're wanting to sell and offer. I've never known an authentic owl who operated like that ever. Mm-hmm. I've never known an authentic Babalao who had to advertise like that, who had to do what you just mentioned, uh, aggress themselves, Baba Alawo, into the chat. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, yeah, I've already yeah. blocked him on Facebook, so it won't be any more comments from him. But you hit that right on the head. And unfortunately, it goes back to us. We are not willing to do the work to learn what these traditions are really about. It's, it's much easier, especially when you're in pain. I, I just want to fix the problem. I'm not trying to learn this. I, I just mm-hmm. want to fix the problem. That's too much to memorize. I, I just need you to help me with my, with my issue. I'm, I'm not trying to learn a new language. And that's the problem. That's mm-hmm. the problem. So, and, and then when it don't work, some of you are quick to move on to the next one. And that's right. another great deal of, of money. And I know this to be a fact because, Many of my clients, we, we spend the first 15 minutes talking about what they've done, where they've been, how much money they've already spent, what was said, what happened, mm-hmm. what didn't happen. And when you are authentically operating in these traditions, the omission of words, the omission of practices, the omission of certain traditions that we all know to be universal, that's a red flag for us. Mm-hmm. You know, but because you might not be willing to read enough books to, to get some advice from an elder, to reach out to someone who you know to be authentically operating in a tradition. 
then, then that process of, of throwing good money after bad, like my grandma used to say, you know, and, and, and being tricked, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that's leg bust. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say the trick in leg bust, not that he's seeking it to hurt you or trick you up. The trick mm-hmm. is ego. The trick mm-hmm. is ego. Leg bust is quick to show you when you're operating in your ego. Mm-hmm. When you think you know what you're doing, when you think you got it down, when you're not willing to listen to good advice, when you're not willing to accept, you know, the counsel of the elders. Mm-hmm. Leg bust is quick to show you that that's where the trick comes in. My godmother, uh, may she rest in the room, um, Mama Yeye, she used to say, she used to say um, not only did she say, baby, you rested on your ancestors, but she would say that all those trips and tricks, that's, that's now part of your ego. Mm-hmm. She would say, that's now part of your ego. Some of us need to bump our heads. Some of us need to learn the hard way. Some of us are too quick to want it now. So spirit makes us try and try again, makes us go to the left, makes us go to the right. It's almost like, you know, the old martial arts movies that, that were not just physical martial arts, but very psychological, very physical, you know, full of tricks, you know, and nuances that tested not only your commitment to the process, but your ability to think. Mm-hmm. Think. To just, just suspend all of that, what we think we know, and just think and be open to seeing and hearing what might be presented. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the trick. That's the trick that people associate with, with Eshu and Papa Lefa. Mm-hmm. Ego. Ego. And so, yeah, um, they're waiting on you. They're hoping you don't do your homework. They're hoping you just want a quick fix. Oh, Kevin, mm-hmm. Kevin Brooks, my apologies. Um, I, I also work with not just Loa, I work with Abbasal, and I work with spirit powers of other ethnic groups and other traditions. Mm-hmm. However, I don't work anything that I'm not qualified to work. So whether it be Loa, because your question is, how do I determine whether I work with Loa or Arisha? What have you been initiated in? What have you been trained in? And in my case, only speaking for my house, what is in most alignment, agreement to your lineage, to your bloodline? See, some people unfortunately believe that everything in the Western world is Haitian voodoo. It's just not true. Some people believe there wouldn't be no voodoo in Louisiana if it weren't for Haiti, Haitian Revolution. That's not true. Some people believe Haitian Revolution brought voodoo to New Orleans. That's is not true. There were enslaved Africans here in Louisiana a hundred years before the Haitian Revolution. They didn't forget how to count. If you remember how to count, you can remember your ritual days. You can remember your drum patterns. You can remember how to acknowledge your, your deity and your ancestors if you can remember how to count. So they're only now being forced to learn how to count in French and Spanish if we're talking about Louisiana. So there's no way Haiti brought voodoo to New Orleans. It was already here and went underground. And, and, and to make it worse, the Haitian Revolution is what fed the Black Code, which, which created rules like they can't drum, they can't gather, they can't be out together in public without, without paper, 
all that came after the Haitian Revolution. Because now the fear is, is, is that they get together, they're going to create insurrection. So check your bloodline. Who are your people? That's something we say just naturally in New Orleans, who your people is, who your mom and them is. People deeply want to know who your people are in Louisiana. And, and that's an African tradition. That's who, who birthed you? What are the mores of the environment that you came out of? And so that's how we determine path and lineage. In, in, in my house, check, check your background. And then I'll point you, you know, I'll send you to my cousin. I'll, I'll send you to, to Haiti. I'll send you to the people who, who mirror what's in, in your bloodline. But the, the idea of working more than one path, more than one tradition, some people on my TikTok had questions about the, uh, the placement of some things in, in my shrine room. You know, the, there's, a, there's a way in Lukumi that things are placed. Certain deities don't go next to certain deities. Certain powers mm-hmm. like Eshu belong in a certain location. And, and, and that's familiar to Akan. That's familiar to Ewe. That's familiar to Kendable. That's familiar to... Anywhere you find this umbrella of, of, of ATR um, in the world. So mm-hmm. here in Louisiana, always been a port city, we've been exposed to Orisha. That's how mm-hmm. Orisha ended up in Hoodoo. It's because we were already exposed to the Yoruba and their traditions in, in Louisiana. So certain deities, Shango, Yemiya, Oshun, uh, Eshu, you know, those deities made the Middle Passage um, and, and first settled in Cuba, but then many of those enslaved Africans brought that to Louisiana. And so that's why you see Orisha um, in, in Louisiana voodoo. But you also see Loa, Louisiana voodoo. So there is a mixing. Uh, my godmother uh, used the word amalgamation that you see happening anywhere in the New World where the seeds of Fa, Ifa, were laid. You see that manifestation. Uh, as we discussed yesterday or on the previous show, I really cannot suggest working with deities you have no marriage to, no relationship to. See, in Buddha, we say marriage. You have to not only be initiated, but then you have to marry Loa in Buddha. There's a ceremony, there's a ring, there's witnesses, there's a preacher, there's a marriage. That takes place uh, in in Ifa in its various demonstrations, Santeria, Lukumi, um, Nago. Uh, you, you can either be crowned or receive the mysteries or the secrets of a deity on your head, and so that's the most appropriate way to work with any system. And, and just so I'm clear, I don't mix them up. There's a very specific way I work with Shango if I'm doing Ifa. There's a very specific way I work with Shango if I'm doing Voodoo. I don't, I don't mix the path. So, yeah, you can be well-versed. You can be knowledgeable. You can be trained, um, Kevin Brooks. Uh, but what determines is what you've received and what your, your lineage is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got about 15 minutes, beloved. So 
So I'm open to your questions, your comments. We got one from Anthony X, I think is a good question. Who, who is Ifa? Who speaks in Ifa divination? And uh, can he speak to spiritual training before initiation? Well, Ifa is not a who. Ifa is the divine wording, uh, this verses, the scriptures, from the little Mare down to Arunula to all of us. That's the two hundred, uh, the 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 five, uh, 256 verses, the uh, the chapters, the books, right? You have 16 uh, main from Obey down to Ofun, and then from there they intermarry to develop the other 240. So now you have 256 uh, books per se um, of of the Ifa. Uh, oracles. Uh, who speaks in the five divination? Arumila. Right, those are the Odus. You start off with Eje Uzbe. Uh, and now in different traditions, it might be in different orders, but from Eje Uzbe, Oyeku Meji, Wari Meji, Meji, Erosong Meji, Owari Meji, Obara Meji, Okanara Meji, Okunda Meji, Osa Meji. Ika Meji, Aturapa Meji, Otura Meji, Irete Meji, Oshe Meji, and Oku Meji, Orangu Meji. Those 16, those 16, then intermarry together. Ogbe might marry Oyeku, Oyeku marry, you know, Ogbe, that, you know, you therefore become 240 more. Uh, the other uh, question was, who speaks through the Orisha, speak through the Odus? The uh, even ancestors, they speak, all the entities speak through the Odus that will that give you the message. Uh, you'll hear often when you're getting a reading, uh, the Babalao will say, Ifa says such and such, such and such, such and such. You'll hear and then associate that uh, Oshun was in the Odus. Uh, Obatala was in the Sodu. So when you're reading it, there'll be certain things that are said, uh, you know, you need to receive Obatala. You need to work with, you need to give offering to ancestors. You need to do this or do that. So all speak through the, through the Odu. Uh, what was the, do you remember the third question on that? Uh, let's go back. Uh, the spiritual training before initiation. Okay, so a person comes in, uh, they do their initial uh, reading. The reading says this person is in alignment for priesthood at a later time. Okay, so we'll say no problem. Uh, this says you 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 can receive ishefa, receive the hand of ifa, and before that time. You can be working with the Babalao on different things, BMEFA, whatever, on different things until you can afford your your uh, Ishefa. But when you get your Ishefa, it allows you to have maybe a little deeper uh, uh, training that will lead you to your Itefa, which is your priesthood initiation. Or if Ifa says previous to that, then he might want you to, to initiate to um, to uh, uh, Orisha first, then the training that you get in Ishefa 
allow you to train and, and get the knowledge before going into to priesthood initiation. So uh, according to whatever temple, Ile or whatever, it will give, some might have distinct things that you need to know before you initiate into priesthood, or some will say, okay, these basic things are things that you learn, and now you can move into initiation, going into whatever. And then you begin the, the distinct training towards the Orisha or Inifa to lead you uh, to begin the process. Because when you first get the initiation to uh, priesthood, that is still not the time that you go right into doing work for people. You have to be able to do the work for yourself and see the changes in, in what you're doing for yourself. And then continue the process of the training with your Alul, Ianifa, whatever the title might be, until they say it's time that you, well, Ianifa says that it's time for this, time for this, time for this, and now you're going to even deeper level training in order for you to be able to do readings. So, you know, I hope that that begins to answer that question to you. Yeah, and I think, you know, listening to you, I, I think there's another question that I don't hear asked, but it really should be addressed. And, and again, that is people seeking readings and divination from people who are operating in these traditions who only mm-hmm. want answers about what's going on right now in the media. Because mm-hmm. when, I, when I heard you say, for instance, you know, the, the Odu might suggest that you need to receive Obatala or you need to receive, you know, a hand E5. Some people think we're just pushing services. Some people think we're just trying to encourage people to sort of join in, you know, to our, to our party, for lack of a better word. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, how committed are you to these traditions? This is what I ask my clients. How committed mm-hmm. are you to these traditions? Is this something that you can see you and your spouse, you and your children practicing? Are you prepared to be visible? Are you prepared that your, your family might have questions about certain changes in your look, you know, and your behavior? We, we discussed that because this is a lifestyle. So mm-hmm. it's not just going to the tarot reader, going to the fortune teller, read my palm, and then you go back to, to your life, which for many of you is still Christian and Judaic and Islamic. But often... Your ancestors will demand commitment from you. The Loaj, the Arisha, will demand commitment from you. And they can be offended. Sometimes a reading will say, you, you have problems with Oshun. Mm-hmm. You have problems with Oya. And, and that needs to be addressed. It, it also is a, a symbolic reference to those hidden inner shadow works within ourselves that we often don't want to address. You know, some mm-hmm. of these Arisha have human-like uh, uh, personalities uh, and, and I don't see that as a weakness In Orisha I see that as a mirror Of humanity mm-hmm. So they have certain human Qualities about them Such as being offended Which mm-hmm. mirror human offenses So mm-hmm. you know when, when you get that sign It says you must receive You must initiate You must acknowledge You know your ancestors we aren't selling. It is indeed a part of the revenue, a part of the ebo, a part of the fix, a part of the repair. 
And and I like to do things that are long term. I'm sure my cousin would agree. I don't believe mm-hmm. in the spell. I'm not trying to do things that work today so that you're forced to call me again tomorrow because I ain't got mm-hmm. that kind of time. <laughs> my phone is already ringing. I'd rather mm-hmm. fix it, kill it, dead it, renew it, repair it, and, and then that's long-term stuff often. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking people to make a commitment. I'm asking people to stick around. We're suggesting that we're going to be present for you. We're going mm-hmm. to be here for you on your journey. Because unlike a fortune teller, we can't just give out advice and then net. We can't do that. You and I, cousin, we can't do that. We, we got prayer and ritual that we have to acknowledge every time an old dude comes on the board. That's right. It don't just mm-hmm. it don't just affect the client, it affects the reader. That's correct. So if the sign is dark for you, it's dark for me too. And so mm-hmm. then so then we have to do preparation for that. So it is a lifestyle, it is a way of being. It, it's more than a ritual. It's more than mm-hmm. a spell. It, it's more than a quick wash and, and then going back to your regular life where you picked up the contaminant in the first place. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. have to make changes. We have to stop doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. And so we can't just, you know, practice this in the closet or in the dark or, sure. or when we're suffering and in pain. We have to embrace this like a relationship. See, I don't like friends who only want to see me after 11 o'clock at night and, and not out in public. Some of you dating women probably have that same rule. Don't call me after a certain time of night. And if we dating, we out in public. We're we not dating where nobody can see us. But that's the kind of relationship folks want with Loa. That's the kind of relationship people want with Arisha. They come mm-hmm. knock on um, my cousin's door. I, I'm in pain. Can you help me? But shh, don't tell nobody I'm here. Mm-hmm. We got to grow beyond that. You know, and, and so that creates that gap where problems reoccur, where, where Jen come back, where, where Ika keeps stalking you. Did that create, oh, I had a divination, Ika Oyesu, yesterday. Ika Oyesu. And she had seen another Babalao, a Nigerian Babalao, an authentic Babalao, who, who gave her that Odu. He was too scared to help her. From the way she described it, he was too scared to help her. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how to. He didn't know how to handle it. He didn't like the the vibration of Iyami being mm-hmm. being embedded in that sign, and that's how he, mm-hmm. how he ended up sending his hurt to me. Uh, but you know, we we've got to do more than just. I mean, and I'm sure you have the same position as I do. I'm not here to be a fortune teller, mm-hmm. though I can read fortunes. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to be a psychic reader, though I have psychic and and, and and the ability to read and to see. But to run an ELA or to run a house is to run a ministry. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother level of activity, you know, within the tradition. And so anyone who, who comes in this anew, that's the ground that you start on. Doing that work, doing that activity, no one comes in a Ianifa, no one comes in a Babalao. Mm-hmm. That that's the equivalent of having a spiritual transformation 
in December and reading tarot cards in January. Yeah. Same equivalent. Yeah. And you know, there's different philosophies on that too. I've seen many Baba Lao, well, maybe in the top, uh, maybe a couple Baba Lao, who continue to do tarot. And then for another perspective, they'll say that you don't do tarot anymore when you do Baba Lao. I mean, do uh, Ifa because Ifa is at a different place at a different level. And so, um, you know, you just really should be listening to the, the uh, lineage that you are in and the Babalao or Alul that you're working with, and then try to stay in in uh, try to stay in alignment with the with the Ile, with the tradition that you guys uh, do uh, in the lineage that you guys do, because it's important, you know, to to have some kind of continuity, and and uh, so it's just you know it's just important to to know. From the person that you're working with, there shouldn't be a Baba Lao that's scared to do something with a particular Udu. You go to an elder if you don't understand or you don't know. You go to the elder and say, this this dropped, this, this Udu dropped, and that elder then will say, mm, that's a rough Udu. You need to do A, B, C, D, and E. So this is the things that you tell, you know, you tell the, the, the client, and this is the work that has to be done. And if the client's willing to do the work, then this is what we need to do. And if the client's not willing to do the work, there's nothing, you can't force anybody to do anything that they don't want to do anyway. I don't try. And so, therefore, it's like, okay, just understand this is a rough old do. So some things might be starting to go this way and that way for you. But if you decide to do this ebook, then, you know, come back and let me know. And... I call it a day on that. Mm-hmm. A true Bible Lao is not going to try to force you. He will say it's important that you do it. And if you don't do it, I can't promise that things are going to get better anytime soon. And even when you do Ebo, it might not clear up just like poof and everything is clear. Right. It might take some time to clear, but you've energetically put the sacrifice in. And then the other thing, the biggest thing, is you got to first be able to do the sacrifice within inside of you. The sacrifice inside of you sometimes is just as important or more important more than important. the sacrifice that is being done. Mm-hmm. So what is your commitment, just like you asked? What's your commitment to making the change that you need or, or desire uh, in, in your life? If this is the difference between your life becoming I want to say successful, but that's not the word. Things clearing up, and then this continuing, and you're already in a bad situation, you got to make the investment, the sacrifice to do this, to get it done. Mm-hmm. Anthony, um, the, the first childhood memory I have is about voodoo. Um, voodoo was both revered and uh, reviled in my family. Um, one part of my family, you know, supported it, enjoyed talking about it, enjoyed recanting the history and the stories of it. Another part of my family went in the direction of uh, not just evangelical Christianity, but also uh, Jehovah Witness, um, large taking for the family. Um, so I grew up hearing Loa. I grew up being introduced to Orisha, 
uh, in the elementary school. So I, I guess you could say I had a choice between ATR or staying in Christianity. Uh, I was a, a successful minister of music. I, I could have went on and, and, and done things in that arena if that was indeed um, my destiny, but it, but it was not. Uh, and I don't know how familiar, Anthony, you are with my story, but I, I was on the street at 14. I, I didn't have a choice. And so in being on the street at 14, the elders and, and, and people who saved me, rescued me, were often involved in voodoo and Orisha and ATR practice. And so I had a, an alternative presented to me than going down, you know, the wrong road or becoming a statistic. Um, and so I had a choice. And so I, I credit voodoo with saving my life. And so that's where my commitment. Uh, his second question, um, cousin, is what kept you on the path? Uh, the fact that it saved my life and it was demonstrable, that's what kept me on the path. I could see it. I could see it work. I could see the work being duplicated, uh, which was scientific proof for me. Uh, and that kept me on the path. Uh, but voodoo saved my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first question is how did we, how did I get involved in it? Uh, I actually got involved in martial arts, to be perfectly honest with you. I was going through some trials and tribulations with a particular relationship, and um, I was really having difficult, it was difficult. And so a friend of mine suggested that a person that was there at this event could help him, that was coming to the event could help him. And he was a senior bottom now. And so I've never had experience in the tradition before, but I was like, I don't have nothing to lose. So he did basic divination, and everything that he said was exactly what I was going through without me telling him what I was going through. That already, I was shaken and nervous, but, you know, in hearing him talk all this truth, I was like, I have to give this a try. And so uh, I started off with it and did what he asked me to do with the ancestral altar. So I started off with the ancestral altar. I did that because I couldn't find find the Baba Lao to work with. So I stayed with doing that for some years until my current Alulo, until until the current Oba. Uh, I knew him through martial arts too, until he did his thing. And then I went in under him, and I remained under under his uh, his his ele uh, up until this time. And so um, I just maintained because I saw the differences in my life. I shall give thanks. Um, it's been a powerful two hours, beloved. Um, yes. It dragged on a little bit in the beginning <laughs> up until about one o'clock. But it definitely picked up, and I'm grateful to uh, all the lively participants, um, Fatih, Mayat, Anthony, uh, London, Bagatti, the Goddess Initiative, all of you all who asked questions, Sean Wynn, and participated um, in the show. Uh, Fatih, Mayat, Reed, indeed, Hoodoo also was alive and well-practiced. Uh, I can do a whole show on Hoodoo. Uh, hoodoo has gone through some transformation. And so I'll, I'll talk about that in a coming uh, broadcast. Uh, but I'm grateful for you all and your consistent love and support and participation. I pray that you all are, are reaching out uh, to my cousin, uh, those of you who are indeed seeking authentic 
EFA direction. I'm also grateful for those of you who continue to reach out to me. Um, I'm grateful for your, your continued support, your love, your commitment to these practices and these uh, traditions. Um, thank you so much, Valerie Littlefield Taylor. We'll be in communication um, shortly, beloved. I'm going to allow my um, cousin to close, and then I will meet you here next time at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time. I just say that we give honor to Fa, to Orisha, to our ancestors, and pray that your prayers uh, will always be answered and that you guys will live with the abundant blessings in all of your lives. So blessings and thank you, cousin, again, for allowing me to be here and to learn, to grow, and to share. And for everybody else, we thank you for learning, growing, and sharing with both of us. Indeed, indeed. Thank you, Frida Nunn. Thank you, S. Marie. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Ashe, Asheo. Odabo. Odabo. Thank you kindly once again. That was a really great broadcast. I'm going to talk more in the beginning. Yes, yes, yes. Um, is it feeling like a job or are you comfortable? I'm fine with it. I had I had black talk uh, radio shows on before, so uh, you know two or three hours talking to different martial arts masters. So this is just a different a different road for me. And then I don't want to go too deep into verses and stuff like that. So I want to keep it foundational, so everybody can see a universal way of 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 uh, doing this with both of us. You know. That universally, no matter where you come from and what background you come from, there's something that that is going to be offered to you from the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Do you think it'll ever come a time when when we would be sharing verses? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as today I shared like a little bit, but I didn't share like a long verse in in Yaraba. Mm-hmm. I gave a little distinct line of a verse. That talk to specifically what we were talking about. So when you watch me look down a little bit and over to my side, it's because I'm trying to find a verse that would be in alignment with what we're talking about, but that is not going to be, I'm going, and, uh, you know, going through the whole, you know, that's not necessary to do, not for this show. For the show, I believe that people are, are, are happy that they are understanding that people are, are willing to keep these foundational elements and how it can be a good part of their life in general. Without, and if they want to go deeper, great, then they come see us. And we, we do reading, we show them, we go through it. But if it's just that, wow, I never, I never knew that about, you know, about Hudu, uh, about Hudu, right. about Yipah. I never knew that. Then you know, this is a really great foundational thing for them to, to do. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, one, you know, many people ain't going to understand all the Yoruba anyway. And, right. And when I use Yoruba, like at the very beginning of the show, I try to give the English right there. So people mm-hmm. know, you know, what's being said. Um, I also have been on the fence about it because I feel like once I start really going into Odu, as I said earlier, there are all these other protocols that we normally acknowledge. 
mm-hmm. when, when you open up an ODU, even even in discussion. Um, and, right. and so I don't want it to be too much like you in a university uh, lecture. I want right. to keep it open where people can kind of come and go and, and, and ask questions. And so mm-hmm. I think right now we're doing the best thing in, in sort of what's in balance. Um, mm-hmm. that, that gives people who are serious, committed to learning the opportunity to reach out to you and to me, and then mm-hmm. we can go, you know, a, a little deeper into uh, Odu. So I, do you feel like the the explanations that I'm giving, uh, like clear and concise? I, I absolutely, I do. Okay, I do. Okay. Um, and so far from the feedback from the audience, um, I believe it's it's sort of plain English um, for them okay. as well. I still want to give it a little time because you're still new. I want to see your your call volume and your email volume increase. Uh, okay. You know, from doing the show, uh, and okay. that will and that will really speak to the depth of clarity. Uh, many people who do come to me, uh, who have gone through other elays, often say that it's because I, I speak plain English. Yes. And they often get confused and distracted by Spanish the Yoruba, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, the accent, you know, they, they, that mm-hmm. is just too much sensory overload, I guess, uh, for right. some people, depending on where they are. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I believe you're, that's one of the reasons, I, not just because you're my cousin and I got favor, but that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that mm-hmm. I chose you is because of your demonstration, your no, energy, you. how you teach, how you talk, how you look. If I find you somewhere else on, on, on the Internet, you look consistent. You're not one thing over here and something else over there. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I, that I chose you. Um, the EFA has always been an important aspect to this show because mm-hmm. a great deal of people do come here because of EFA. Even mm-hmm. if it's just social media EFA, that, that brings a lot of people here. And in previous years, um, when I did EFA Wednesdays, uh, when I had um, Baba EFA again. Ken, may, may he rest in Oroon. Uh, when mm-hmm. I had him on the show, um, those were really, really powerful shows. People from very different segments of West Africa and the Americas would come together. Uh, mm-hmm. I even saw that today in the chat in terms of some of the people who were showing up. I, I saw new people that I know, but new people. Okay. Locals that normally don't listen to my show was here today. Right. Some of our uh, West African friends, obviously, were here today. <laughs> One of them even tried to create his own advertisement. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely pulls more people in. Um, okay. and, and I'm not here to be an expert in voodoo. I'm not an Iwol. I'm not a Babalao. And, and I don't want people to be confused about that. So I'm voodoo. Now I have a lot mm-hmm. of knowledge about Ifa. I know great deal about EFA. In some cases, mm-hmm. I know more about it than people that's got a hand uh, mm-hmm. in EFA. But I prefer having someone who's living EFA okay. to sort of represent that. I think we work well together in that because okay. of my experience with EFA, I know certain questions to ask you that stimulate mm-hmm. you to go into a different degree of conversation than what you might otherwise. And so I think that works well together. Um, you follow me, right? Because you're frozen. I don't know if your camera is frozen. Oh, there you go. You unfrozen now. 
Yeah, it, it froze up. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on there for a minute. <laughs> I was like, oh, too much I shared. <laughs> yeah, but it definitely works well. Um, I'm seeing a higher volume of people in the chat. We've doubled in terms of the number of people who sit in the chat from beginning to end. Wow. Now, I always have high numbers of people who come and go. I, okay. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I have maybe 48 tabs open on my computer right now. So I'm guilty of that. Watching in one, listening in another, writing Mm -hmm. in another. So some people kind of come and go. But then I have long-term listeners who listen to this show from beginning to end, who listen to it. And my mom goes back and listens to the show in complete archive. So your message is getting out. Your name is getting out. Um, like I said, I, I, I want to see call volume. I want to hear you say, you know, my email traffic has picked up. I want to know that people aren't just being entertained by us, right. which is one of my right. pet peeves. I'm not here right. to entertain. We could tell jokes and talk about sex and revenge on enemies. That's entertainment. I really mm-hmm. want people to take this seriously and develop this as a, as a lifestyle. And it's well, definitely that need to study more. Yeah. I have to be mindful that, like, today, at the end, I saw somebody, uh, like, say, you know, uh, thank you, like, multi-faith uh, or something like that. And I was like, uh, I have to be really, really careful because there's going to be people that are going to be here just to test. Oh, yeah. Just oh, oh, to yeah. test. <laughs> I thought Who's this dude? Yeah. <laughs> I, I never mentioned that because I thought that went without saying. People uh-huh. been testing me for twelve years. Uh-huh. At first it was the Hispanics and Lukumi and Cubans. They came from my throat. First it was first it was who are you? What's your lineage? What gives you the authority to speak on this? Uh-huh. And then the next thing was you're speaking on this and you're giving away too much. Uh-huh. So my natural reaction was not to be angry. Um, I took it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. So they're not saying that I'm lying. They're not saying that my information ain't correct. They're yeah. saying, who am I to give it away? And they can right. make it this accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you're in the tradition. You, you got some experience in the tradition. So you know, I don't violate no protocol. Right. I don't give away right. no, no information that you wouldn't give away or that another Babalaw wouldn't say. That's right. Uh, again, I don't go too deep into the uh, uh, the Odu sometimes because then you got to explain certain, right. certain wording, which might open mm-hmm. them up to knowledge that they're either not ready for, you know, or, or would not understand. Mm-hmm. Um, even even in doing Oriki. You know, I'm very careful about what Oriki I might do because of what the words mean in English. That's right. Because if you present an Oriki to someone who doesn't understand Yoruba, who's not in the tradition, in English, and then they start hearing things about black birds and, Mm -hmm. you know, know, different things, now you have to go into a greater degree of exposure. Mm -hmm. So I'm very careful. Um, I, I feel tested. Um, I'm grateful that the Lakumi came for me, and then there was a season mm-hmm. it was coming from Nigeria. Then it was a season it was coming from uh, Olotunji. Then it was a season it was coming from other Babalaos. 
And for me, it was just a testing ground. And, right. it, and it taught me that I'm absolutely on target. No one has ever said that I didn't know what I was talking about. No one mm-hmm. has ever challenged my information. Um, the, the documentaries keep coming. The archaeologists keep coming. Nat Geo, mm-hmm. PBS, that swells my heart. Because mm-hmm. it says that I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not some internet terror reader. I'm not some wannabe E5 voodoo practitioner. Mm-hmm. I'm really creating a door for right. African Americans in particular who otherwise yes. find accessing this so difficult. That is correct. And I've spoken to my, I spoke to Kabiyasi many times in the past uh, about we have to make this an African-American perspective. Although keep with the tradition, but African-American perspective where they can really embrace that, you know, there's a desire for them to want to do this. And not that it's so, so foreign that they can't, they right. can't relate in any way to doing it. So we do everything that we're supposed to do, but in our verbiage, we have to, we have to make it universal where no matter what, it's, it, they have the, oh, that ties in with, I can understand that. And when you start getting, like, the, the people to say, you know what, you know, I want to hear, like, that dude that, was, that shares the Ifa part, he speaks very, you know, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it correlates to, you know, without him having to go too deep into this, that, and the other thing. If if we can get if I can get that part to help with the part that you share about, then I think that everything is really really successful. It's really really good. Yeah, I mean it's like the, it's like the Bible. Unfortunately, right? Nobody understands the Bible. Yeah, Cer- certainly on one path at it. Yeah. So that's why they have Bible class. That's why you read and reread. My mama reads the Bible from beginning to end in its entirety at least once a year. Mm-hmm. That, that's how committed she is to the process. Mm-hmm. You, you may or may not, I'm, I'm about to tell you. I, I, every day, I look at their calendar, the ritual calendar. I'm today on sale by Every yes. day I sow divination every day, first yes. thing in the morning. And then, yes. I, and then I read Odu. And, and in my mind, I'm doing what my mama would do. My mama, read, right. my mama read the Bible every day, all day. So when I'm if I have downtime, I'm reading Odoo. And, yes. and, and people say, well, how do you memorize all of this? Rhythm, harmony, mm-hmm. repetition. And you see it every day. You got you know, it for a day. little while, and I'll share with you the reason why I was going to do the divination. I'm having significant problems with a lot of different areas. And part of it is like, it's kind of like the relationship with my Obak and I, it seems to be falling apart. And so there, and, and every Odu I was reading, it was talking about you got enemies around you, you got enemies close to you, you got enemies here, you got enemies there, enemies, enemies, enemies. I've had people that have uh, left for no real good reason other than I told them that they got to show each other grace and mercy because people's journeys are very different. Just because you're here and they're not, you can't, like, you know, you got to help them to get to an elevated level. 
Mm-hmm. So they they felt like they didn't want to do that, so they left. So I've been feeling like there's a lot of attacks coming my way. And those who I work with in Africa, they're very deep Oba, uh, uh, um, Obaluaye people, Shango and Egungun. So they were like, man, this, this Odu says that there's a lot of enemies, or a lot of people who are witchcrafting you that are trying to stop your, stop your thing. I think that there's people throwing because they understand Kabiyasi and I have been together since day, his day one of Ifa. And if they break us apart, that makes it easily, more easily accessible to get either one of us personally separate, rather than knowing that both of us together mm-hmm. are a powerful entity that have dealt with a lot of things over the past. I, I've I, made some yeah. mistakes, but, you know, I've made the mistakes. I've owned up to the mistakes. I apologize for the mistakes. But they're not mistakes that should be destroying things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so your Luau lives in the States or lives in Africa? He lives in Florida. Okay. How, I've how, known him. Go ahead. I've known him before. Before he got into the five, we were both martial arts. Okay. Is he African or American? American. Okay. Okay. I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out the dynamics here. Because I'm if not, you look at Oracle Fan, O-R-A-C-L-E, Oracle Fan, dot com then you know it's him and he like i said he's the highest person directly from obatala right from obanesu's hand to uh in in the tradition of obatala yeah. from both america and benin i mean nigeria and benin yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna take your word on that because i already told you i met Another Oba, Oba Obatala, uh, who's supposed to be the representative for Ile Ife to the U.S. Probably in their organization because they gave Kabiesi uh, the blessing of having his own uh, organization. And in the organization from Obalesu, uh, it's, it's registered with Ile Ife and Okay, okay, I see. So then I'm going to go ahead and say what I was thinking. Um, Sometimes it's about a change of power geographically and accessibility. So so what I mean is we're American. When Mm -hmm. Africa gets that. They mm-hmm. indeed are our Mecca. They indeed are, are the homeland for these traditions. However, mm-hmm. they're not surviving based on what's going on in Africa. They're surviving mm-hmm. based on what's going on in the New World. That's correct. Whether it be our community, the Hispanic community, the, we're keeping these traditions alive. So there mm-hmm. has to be some co-union. I, I would love to have in the next few days or so, West Africans also participate in this show. Because mm-hmm. like you said, they, they need to learn how to better deal with us. We need to learn how to better deal with them. If mm-hmm. we're going to make this live internationally, universally, if Buddha mm-hmm. and Ifa are going to survive globally, we've got to come together. It, it mm-hmm. can't be the, the, the pulling, the, 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 the jealousy, the competition. We're only mm-hmm. going to target black people so we can 
take their money. It, it, it can't be that. And so we mm-hmm. have to clean up some of the demonstrations that we're seeing. You know, mm-hmm. who's, who's showing up in your inbox offering you service? Mm-hmm. You know, all, all, who's fake and who's not? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't see it much different than I do the church or finding a dentist or a therapist. There's, there's always those bad actors in position and those mm-hmm. who are doing the right thing in position. But if we're not mm-hmm. willing to do our homework, if we're not willing to investigate, if we're not really willing to figure out what really should be happening in mm-hmm. sort of the structure and the order of things, it's going mm-hmm. to remain chaotic. I mm-hmm. see you growing. I see you developing. I wouldn't have invited you in otherwise. Mm-hmm. And no one who's ever done this show with me um, has stayed where they were. So I'm not I'm not bragging. I'm not even taking credit, a credit for it because it's mm-hmm. really Ola Damari and the ancestors in the community that really mm-hmm. made that happen. But the exposure, the visibility gives us an opportunity to really reach a global audience and really make some of our, our, our mission statements for our own ministries mm-hmm. come to fruition. So I, I hate to hear that it's drama between you and the Alua. I will tell you that that's common. If that makes you feel any better, it's common. I, I, I don't know very many African-American uh, owls in the state that don't have a problem with their luau, whether okay. they're here or in, in Osobo or Oyo, mm-hmm. wherever they might be. Uh, again, because of that culture difference, and mm-hmm. they, they assume we have unlimited resources. They assume mm-hmm. we can always pull money from somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and so Haiti, Haiti does the exact same thing. You know, there was even an edict that came out of a soap bowl that African-Americans who had received ceremonies, um, they were only ceremonial. That mm-hmm. no one over here should try and take a position of power or position of leadership. That's mm-hmm. another reason why I stay in the lane of voodoo. Mm-hmm. They, they respect mm-hmm. me, but they can't tell me what I do. I respect right. them, but I'm not trying to change or tell them what they do. So I agree with you. This, there has to be an African-American legacy and lineage yes. of this tradition, how it's practiced, how we do it, and then that passed down for those who come after us so that indeed this does survive, but we don't have the power struggle. I try to, you know, like I, I try to mention them every, every episode that it pops in my mind, you, you know, to make sure that he sees that his name is being honored, and he's being honored. And we just have to see how things go. But, you know, I'm just, I, I'm keeping in mind, you know, we have to, I just have to see. I just have to see. Yeah, I'll, I'll do as well. I'll keep a closer eye. Um, I'll learn more about who he is. I'm going to reach out to uh, Oba Obatala that I know and see if I can uh, figure out even a relationship. They may know each other. Don't say too much, though, please. Cause oh, I would. It always it always gets back to him, and I got even deeper issues. <laughs> I, I got you. I, I know how to do it. It, it wouldn't reveal you or really at all. Okay. Um, or even him. I'm just going to ask him. You know, what's the structure of leadership? You know, how many other Obatala head mm-hmm. come, you know are coming out of you? I know how to go about it. I won't, okay. um, yeah, I won't create a problem for you. 
So yeah. I'm going to keep doing my studies so I can be even a stronger representative and, you know, make sure that people are seeing that, that you know, pe- that things are coming through to them happily and that they can be blessed with the information. So thank you for your time. I'm starving, so I'm going to move on. Oh, yes, go do that. Um, you were at my 3 o'clock, so I was prepared to fast for another two hours, but you freed me. Oh, all good. I'm glad I did something good. <laughs> so I'm going to go and eat now. All right. But um, I look forward to being with you um, Wednesday. And Cat is going to be on Wednesday, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, that's, okay. That's the show title that I'm running, the one that you are. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'll, t- I'll, I'll be in communication with her today. Too. All right. Thank you, Kyle. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for your patience and your commitment to the show. We're certainly grateful. All is a blessing. Congo Square. The Omus Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, We crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double 
cross and capitalism the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat. Be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart beat, heart beat, heart beat at this place, at this place. Be heart beat, beat, we beating place in new world space. Beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk. Our music, the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end. Connected together and singing, ringing, Singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be bonza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out Hello. of us. Whoa! But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, Deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade, but dark, dark 
with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square, beat, be, beat. Remember. Remember. 